Amen. Well, thank you, Amos. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. And thank you for joining me here uh, this week for a four-week series. Uh, Looking forward to this series and spending this time together. Welcome to this. And also, if you are listening online via Facebook, either now or later, we want to welcome you as well. And also, those that are listening to the podcast a little later, we want to welcome you. I think that's everybody, pretty much. So get that covered. Uh, Looking forward to this four-week series. Uh, Pastor Tim is taking a little bit of a, a break here. So you have me. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I told people that I was probably just going to preach for like 15 minutes. That way, no matter what I say, you're going to like me, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. So anyway, uh, no, just uh, glad to have you here. Glad to, to kind of look at this series of uh, entitled Simply Stand Firm. And I don't know about you, we, the, the worship team had introduced a new song here this morning called Praise Your Name, and it's by Corey Voss. And we're going to be singing that kind of throughout this series as a, a theme song. And they, you know, I don't know about you when you, you sing that song, but for me, there are times that, that what do you do uh, in life in those times where darkness around you isn't fading, and, and no matter what you seem to do, no matter what you try to do, it just doesn't seem to fade. And seasons where uh, the song says brick by brick, walls were coming down, and, and for you, you might be in a season where, you know what, brick for brick, the wall seems to be getting bigger. The wall in front of me seems to be getting thicker instead. And no matter what I do, what I try, it doesn't seem to work. And I'm in this season where just no matter what I do, I pray harder, I sing a little louder, I I read my Bible more, I do all these things, and it just doesn't seem to be working. And, And the idea of how do I stand firm in those times? How do I stand firm when it doesn't seem like it's just a little light breeze is able to blow me away? Or a little wave is able to knock my feet out from underneath me, let alone something big. And I think we, if you're honest, I think we, we've all have seasons where we go through this, where we wonder how in the world, how can we stand firm? How can we be strong and stand? And this, this series, we're going to be looking at a letter that Paul wrote to an early church. And it was an early church uh, in Ephesus. And it was a letter that he wrote to encourage them. And it was, this was a season in, in the early church. It was about 30 years after Christ's death. There was a lot of false teachers going around. They weren't quite sure who to listen to, who to, you know, a lot of voices, the, the Christian way or whatever was new. It was uh, threatening. So there was actually a lot of persecution as well. And it's estimated that in the first 270 years of the church, the early church, our Christian faith, in the first 270 years, which actually is about the same amount of time that people have been sitting in this very spot, in this very house of worship, in that, that amount of time, over 6 million Christians were killed for their faith. So this is a time where the church is under persecution, the church is a lot of unrest, there's a lot of uncertainties, and and Paul himself is in prison um, writing these letters to the churches and writing different letters that we have as our scripture now and that we use. And he's writing this letter to this church in Ephesians, and he's saying, hey, look, guys, you know, remember who you are in Christ. Remember, you know, the, to, that your church is not a building, there's a bunch of it's, it's people, and to love each other well, to live in unity, to not live like the world lives, to do these things. And, and he kind of gives this whole encouraging thing to, to this church in Ephesus. But then he, um, he wraps it up, and he, at the end of the letter in Ephesians 6, and that's what we're going to be using for our series here, Ephesians 6, he says, finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you are able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So Paul starts off this encouragement to his letter. He says, you know, guys, you want to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in His power, not in your own power, not in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord. And, and if you're a believer, you know, you've heard that answer. Yeah, just be strong in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? How do we stand firm? How do we be strong in the Lord and in His power? And I think over this next four weeks, we're going to be looking at Paul. We're going to be breaking out his imagery of a soldier, and we're going to be breaking this out into saying, okay, this is how, as a believer, we can stand firm. This is the tools that we've been giving. This is who we are in Christ. This is the proper perspective that we should have, enabling us to stand firm in the life that is around us. And this, he starts off with this idea that we're going to be talking about this morning is about maintaining a proper, making sure we have a proper perspective on the struggle or the situation that we're in. He says, do not wrestle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual authorities and powers. We don't wrestle the way the world wrestles to have a proper perspective. And this isn't the first time in Scripture where this idea of, of being strong and this idea of having a proper perspective on life uh, comes into play. I, I love the verse um, in uh, the chapter in Psalms, David, uh, where actually Tim will, when he comes back, is going to be doing a series on the Psalms, uh, really uh, an emotional health and, and that kind of stuff, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but I love the Psalms, and I love this one on David, and, and Psalm 73 and David, David is honest, and that's what I love about the Psalms, because he's looking around, and he's saying, man, you know what? The world is just, everything is going great. The, the, the unrighteous people are prospering. The unrighteous people don't seem to have any cares. And, and why am I in vain keeping these laws? Why, you know, every day, every, he says, every morning I wake up to new problems. Afflictions are always around me. Why in the world am I keeping the way of the Lord when the evil way, the, evil, the people that are evil and unrighteous are prospering? And it, it, I love this, this little phrase. He's like, and, and this, this troubled me. When I thought about this, this troubled me. And the turn phrase that he uses that I love, he says, until, until I entered the sanctuary. Until I got God's perspective. And I saw that their, their feet are on a slippery path. And destruction is near to them. Until he saw that. Another example that I love is uh, in the Old Testament, it's Elisha. And he's, this is a cool story. It's, a, it's in 2 Kings verse six, if you ever, uh, chapter 6. And I encourage you to read that sometime this week because it's really a neat story. But Elisha uh, is a prophet of God. And he, what's happening is the Israelites, the people of God, are there. And there's this neighboring... Um, army and, and enemy, basically, that keeps raiding them. 
And, and it's, they're, they're an annoying kind of thing because the Israelites are, are stronger, but they, they keep raiding this, enemies keep raiding this camp. And they're frustrated. The enemy, uh, King uh, Aram, is frustrated because whatever he does, the Israelites are one step ahead of him. And wherever he goes to attack, the Israelites are there waiting for him. And he is like really frustrated. And so he calls his people. And he's like, okay, look, guys, where's the spy among us? Because everywhere we go, they know we're there. And so who's the spy? Where's the spy? We got to find the spy because how else are they knowing this? How else are they able to do this? So they're like, well, you know what? Um, it's not one of us. It's this, they have this man of God, this prophet, and his name is Elisha, and he knows what we're going to do before we even know what we're going to do. And that's, what, that's what's happening. So King Aram does what every king would do. He says, all right, fine, let's go kill Elisha. And then that way we can get in and, you know, attack the Israelites. So he takes his army, they go out, and they actually surround Elisha. Now, the army of God is, uh, of the Israelites are further away, and they surround his place. I don't know if it's tent, I guess, probably. And the next morning, the servant of Elisha wakes up, and he goes outside, and he sees outside he's there, that they are surrounded by the army, the enemy, that they are surrounded and he, there is, there's no hope. Like they're literally just surrounded. There's no army. There's no nothing. It's just them. So he, this is my, we, we're going to go into Greg's version here a little bit. So give me some leeway here. He goes back into Elisha, who's, you know, just getting out of bed, getting his coffee, kind of saying, hey, um, Elisha, I know you're not quite done there yet, but you might want to step outside here because we're going to die. Just to give you a heads up here, we're, we're, we are surrounded. There's no hope. There's no nothing, and Elisha goes out, and he's got his cup of coffee, and he's still in his bathrobe, maybe. <laughs> My version. And um, he's like, well, you know, he goes out, and he looks, and he's like, oh, we're good. Now, those that are, that, uh, are with us are outnumber those that are against us. And the servant's like, what, what do you mean? What's going on? And so Elisha prays. He's like, God, open up the eyes of my servant. And at that point, the servant's eyes were opened, and he saw horses and chariots of fire that far outnumbered the other, the enemy. And he was able to see from a different perspective. He was able to see the same thing, the same reality, but from a different perspective. And the story goes on. It's really neat how they end up, basically end up friends with the enemies. That's the, you can read it for yourself there. But changing this perspective. Paul himself, in another letter in Romans, writes to uh, the church there. And he, this, this church is dealing with um, a lot of arguing, a lot of just bickering, if you will. And I know churches never do that these days. But back then, I think it was a thing. So there was a lot of arguing, a lot going on. They're not quite sure who to follow. They're not sure who a false prophet is or who's a true prophet. They're kind of all this stuff going on. And, and Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I love this in verse 7. He says, you are only looking on the surface of things. He's telling the church, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. 
You're, you're looking at all this fleshly stuff. You're arguing the way the world does. You're reasoning the way the world does. You're doing all these things. No, we don't do that as Christians. You're looking on the surface and not the source. So we see this in, in a lot of different areas, but coming back to where Paul is speaking to the church here in Ephesus, he, brings, he starts off with this idea of how do we stand firm? How do we be strong in the Lord and in His, in his power? And he starts off with this perspective of not to focus on the source of the struggle or the problem, I mean on the surface of it, excuse me, but to focus on the source of where the power, where authority lies. Before you start putting on the armor and fighting and doing all these things, and all, make sure you know the battle that you're fighting and where you're battling it. Make sure you're not focused and seeing things from your perspective, but seeing them from God's perspective, because we're different. We have the Holy Spirit within us. The struggles that we're facing, the struggles that you're facing, the problems that you're facing, the people, the person that you're struggling with, they're real. They're real, but they're not the source. They're not the root. They're not the problem, and they're not where the battle should be fought. We see this play out in the um, around us, or in the world around us everywhere. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I think of I've, where I've seen this is even in the workplace. I was a uh, manager at a, at a cabinet shop, made kitchens and, um, at, at one point, and I'll, I'll change the names in case they're listening later. But I was, I was a manager, I'm sitting in my office, and a guy comes in, and he's like, you gotta fire Bob. You just gotta fire him. It's a, I've had enough. He's gotta go. Okay. Now, I mean, it, the tensions are high. I mean, it's, in, you know, it's a manufacturing thing. We're behind schedule. It's 120 degrees in the shop. It feels like it. You know, there's sawdust in you. There, everything just falling apart. Things aren't going right. You know, it's one of those days. And, and he comes in and, you know, you got to get rid of him. Got to get rid of him. I'm like, okay, well, okay, well, why? Why do I need to fire Bob? And, well, he keeps stealing my tape measure. Okay, all right, well, let's, let's go a little deeper. Um, you know, why, well, why does he keep stealing your tape measure? I mean, we, we're a cabinet shop. We have like 50 of them in the cabinet right here. The company supplies them. It's not even your tape measure technically, but we're not going to go there because I can see where you're at. But anyway, um, you know, what, what's, what's going on? Well, every time I'm, I'm working, well, and, and if we get delivery of, of lumber in, he needs to use the tape measure, so he takes the tape measure off my bench, he uses it, and sometimes he doesn't put it back, or he forgets, or sometimes he's using it, and I'm going to do something, and you know what, I, I want to be productive, you know, I mean, you know, we're after, you know, your units, make sure we're efficient, I want to be a good employee and get things done, but I can't because he, he stole my tape measure, and so you got, you got to fire him, you got, you got to get rid of him, you got, I mean, that's, right? The only logical solution is to fire Bob, or one moment of brilliance that I had in my management career, we could get another tape measure and put it at the loading dock where Bob needs it and leave it there because it's only $5. Like, there's a better solution. The problem was real. The problem was real, but it wasn't the source. The answer wasn't the source. We see this, if you're a parent, you've seen this play out in your life, if you have, especially if you have more than one child. It is inevitable. If you put two kids in one room with 500 toys, 
those two kids will find one toy that they both need to have at that moment, right? Right? It doesn't matter. There's other toys all around them. They both need that one toy, and everything blows up. Ben is like, I got twins. Yes, brother, preach it. <laughs> and, uh, yes, it doesn't matter what's in the room. The problem is, you know, and so as a, as a parent, you know, you have the choice. You can say, okay, well, the, the problem is, okay, let's just take away that toy. You know, but if you're a wise parent, you know that it will only work for about 10 minutes until they find another toy. And somehow you have to find a way to teach your kids how to share. Somehow you need to teach this lesson and it, 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 it only happens, you know, you have to do it once you're done. It never have to do it again, yeah, right? Um, so yeah, it's, you know, an ongoing lesson, but you know that you have, to, you have to treat it at the source and not on the surface. Another area that we see this play out um, is in, in marriages in uh, your spouse. Have you ever been in an argument, I'm sorry, a emotionally engaged discussion, because you, you don't argue, right? Have you ever been in an emotionally engaged discussion with your spouse and realize about 10 minutes in, you have no idea what you're really arguing about? Like, you're, you're still arguing, and you, the one thing you do know is you're right. Like, you remember that part but you're not even sure exactly what you're arguing about. And you're even getting the idea that they don't even really know what you're arguing about either. Um, and, you know, we, we get into these times where we're not sure really what the source is. We know that we're arguing, but we're not even sure why. Um, and, you know, for, you know, we're going to give some free marital advice here today, guys. You're, you're going to get this. It's, it's worth what you're paying for it. Um, women, I'm going to help you out. Yeah, there's a sigh. What the, like, come on. Women, I'm, I'm going to give you something extremely valuable. There is a communication card. You can take notes. There's a pen. We're going to solve something that began um, back in at least 1596 when a guy by the name of Sir John Harrington, he invented uh, something that has caused trouble in every marriage since, and probably before this too, but at least since then, that every marriage that I know of has dealt with this issue, and that is he invented the flushable toilet, and the question of who puts the toilet seat down, right? Women, come on. Does the guy, should he be respectful and put it down when he's done? Should the woman just put it down? I mean, guys, you're with me on this. Like, you can put it down too. Like, before you sit down, just put the toilet seat down, right? Reasonable, right? Should it never go up in the first place? That's a question, you know? Who puts the toilet seat down? So, women, I'm here to help you today. And I'm here to give you advice on how to forever end this in your life, in your way, in your favor. And this is why I want you to say to your husband the next time you have this issue. Say, honey, I know that you love me. And I know that you made a vow before our friends and our family and before God himself that you would always love me and care for me and that you would always be there for me. And, that you, and I know that you're a man of your word and that you love me. And so as just a matter of, of just showing respect and showing that you love me, would you please just put the seat down? Problem solved, ladies, right? Men, don't fear. I got one for you, too. I'm, I'm, this, this goes both ways. Gave the women advice. Man, I'm going to help you out on the thing that always 
every man struggles with this issue. Have you ever argued, I'm sorry, had an emotional discussion with your wife, and you have no idea what you're arguing about? None. Like, none. Because what you're arguing about doesn't seem like that's easy to solve. Like, we could fix that, and we've already fixed that, and, but yet we're still arguing. I, like, there seems to be something else behind it, but I don't know what it is, and I just don't know. And so I invite you to turn to the screen because I know that men are visual, so I, I think maybe, hopefully, you can identify with this guy here. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, Ow. if you would just don't. Try to see things my way. Right? Can I get an amen, guys? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the next time you find yourself arguing about the nail, maybe. Just, she wants you just to listen. Maybe she just wants some sympathy. Maybe she doesn't want the problem to be fixed. She knows how to fix the problem, probably. She just wants to know that you care. So we see this all around, and we see this principle of the surface, things of the surface, but then recognizing in the source. And we see it all around us in our workplaces. We can see it play out in our family situations. We can even see it play out in our marriages. But what about, what about you? What about me? What about those things in your life that um, just seem to be your battle? There's things that we sung, we sung about here this morning about, there's things that just demand your attention. The bridge of the song was all lesser things that demand my attention. What are those things that are, that are keeping you? You know they're keeping you from your relationship with Christ. You know that they're keeping you. This is a thing that you keep struggling to fix. You keep struggling to try harder. You keep struggling to do all these things, and it just doesn't seem to work. What is that problem in your life? What is that struggle in your life? What is that maybe person? Who is that person in your life? that it just doesn't seem to get fixed over and over in years and years and years. And you see, it might, be, it might be coming from different areas. It might be coming just from the world in general, the fact that we live in a fallen world. It can be, a, you know, the idea that, 
You know, we, we live in a fallen world that says, you know, you deserve happiness right now. You deserve things to be going your way because you're doing the right things. You should do this. If you do this, if you try hard enough, you can succeed. If you push through, you deserve it. You deserve to have a blessed life. You deserve to have all this. And maybe, maybe we need to, to be like David in Psalms and say, you know what, when I looked at that, I saw the slippery path. And, you know, it wasn't until I entered the sanctuary it wasn't until I saw things from God's perspective that the things of the world just didn't work and that God's ways, I want to follow His ways and His truths. Maybe it's not the things of the world. Maybe it's the things that, that the devil and Satan and spiritual forces throw at you all the time. Those feelings of you're not strong enough to walk through what you're, the stage of life that you're in or what's facing you right now. You're not strong enough to do that. You know, you're not good. You've never been good enough. You've, you know, you, you can't, you know who you are. You can't do that. You're surrounded. There's no hope. You're, 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 you're gone. There's nothing there. And maybe we need to, at that point, look at the source and say, and be like Elisha and the servant of Elisha and say, God, open up my eyes. Help me to see where my help comes from. Help me to see that, yes, I'm not strong enough to walk through this stage or whatever, the battles in front of me. Yes, I'm not. But you know what? You are, and I'm walking with you, and my focus is on you, and my perspective is seeing things through your eyes and not through the devil's eyes and not through Satan's eyes. So it might not be the world. It might not be the devil. It could just be our fleshly desires. We have sinful nature within us, even as Christians, and it's just those fleshly desires that we have. Have you ever found yourself reasoning your way into something that you knew was wrong? Like you knew the choice ahead of you. You knew what was right. You knew what was wrong. But you really wanted that wrong. And you were able to intellectually, logically reason your way and excuse your way into that. It's our fleshly desires. We all do it. And even Paul himself, Paul, the writer of this, the one who's encouraging and giving us this template of how to stand firm in the Lord, himself is saying, you know, there's things I do that I don't want to do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Like he understood this struggle of, of still having sin present in his life, but not being a slave to sin, that Christ brings that. And, and do we have the ability in those moments to, to not see those struggles as, as problems or, or things that, you know, it's our reasoning and our things and, and stuff that we want to do, but are we able to, like Paul said, to take captive every thought, every thought, and make it obedient to Christ, to make it obedient to Christ in His ways and God's ways, every thought captive to the ways of Christ. See, no matter what we're facing today, whatever what struggle you're facing today and you want to be able to stand firm in, it really comes down to one simple thing, and that is it's a battle. We are in a battle of who is in control. Is it the things of the world? Is it the devil and our flesh? Are those the things that we're trying to, to look at and fix, and those are the, the problems? that we're wrestling against flesh and blood, that we're trying on that level? Or are we focused on the source and going to that level? Paul is writing here in the introduction to this portion of this letter and the introduction to this series, saying, look, if you want to stand firm, 
and wherever you're at, if you want to be able to stand firm in the strength of the Lord, the first thing we need to do is to not look on the surface, to not fight against flesh and blood, but to look to the source. It's in His strength. It's in His power. It's His armor that we put on. That's where our focus needs to be. And so that is my prayer for you. That is what we're, we want to start off with that as well in this series. But there's a problem. What do you do? What do we do when the things of this world, uh, it's, it's easy sometimes, I don't know about you, but it's easy when it's things that were outside of my control that are tripping me up or, you know, causing me to, to stumble and to struggle. But what, what happens when these things of, of the world, the struggles the, of the world, the devil, and my flesh, what happens when they become truth? When they become reality? When they become undemand, uh, demanding of my attention? When they become so real that if I'm honest with you, they trump my faith? They begin to shift my focus, and because they're so real and because they're so powerful, they begin to trump my faith in God and my ability in God. And I'm caught in this middle of reality, of honesty. And what do I do then? How do I stand firm when I'm caught with the truths of either side pulling at me? What do I do at that point? Well, Paul continues in his letter to address that issue. And we will continue next week as well at looking at how to stand firm in times like that. The worship team introduced this song uh, to us this morning called Praise Your Name by Corey Voss. And at this time, I'd invite the worship team to come forward and prepare to lead us uh, in a closing song and to sing that again. This song... um, really honestly has been on my playlist by the last six months or so. It's something that personally I engage with. And the reason I really like this song is it's unique in that it's a worship song that captures a very specific moment in time, a very window of time that consistently I find myself in. And that is that tension between who am I going to listen to? What am I going to believe? What truths are out there? What things are I going to follow? Where am I going to put my focus on? Am I going to focus on the things of this world and the realities of this world? Am I going to focus on the source? And am I going to be able to say, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, devil, no matter what comes my way, world, no matter what comes my way, flesh, no matter you're being in my valley, and I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, no matter, I'm turning my eyes to the mountains where my help comes from. I'm going to praise my way and say, God, you are in control, and I know you're in control, and I'm going to praise your name about it. I'm going to focus on your truths. I'm going to focus, and even I'm in the valley, I'm going to dance in the midst of the rain. Even in the midst of this stuff, the reality of this stuff, I'm going to dance because I know where my source is and my focus is. And this song captures that reality of that when we turn our eyes and look to our focus where our source is, where our strength is, we are able to stand firm. We are able to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. We are able to face these things with the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, that all lesser things have to bow to his name. So if you're able, I invite you to stand and let's sing this closing song.